0: Hey guys, Pastor David here. Uh, Welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you have uh, found us, that you're joining us today. We're a community of authentic, spirit-led, Christ-followers transformed to walk in victory. That is our vision here at Victory Church, and that is what we're praying will become a reality for us as a church here at Victory. So I'm glad that you guys found us. I'm glad that you're joining us today, and we're excited about kicking off this sermon here in just a moment. I love that song. So true. So true. God's love is so reckless for us. Um, it's so easy to forget that, and just the hustle, and bustle, the craziness of life, how much God loves us so radically, logic defined. So, so we're, um, we've been in the, the gospel series, I'm sorry, the gospel series, <laughs> the worship series. We were in the gospel series for a long time. We're in the worship series. Um, it, it, we started it last week. It's called Unveiling the Mystery of Worship, and uh, last week we talked about the foundations of worship. And this week, we're talking about the power of worship. We're going to be got diving into that, that, that kind of concept, the power of worship. And when it comes to um, the mysteries behind worship, the power of worship is included in that mystery. Because what we find as we dive into this topic of worship, what we find is our big idea states is, man, there is power in worship. Like, make no mistake about it. Worship of God is a powerful thing, a very, very powerful thing. And when it comes to this power, this power is supernatural, meaning it's logic defined. It can't be explained. It's not of this world. And this power doesn't come from us as the worshipers. It comes from God. And what we're going to find, what we're going to see today is God has given us an incredible way to tap into this power, which for us as Christians now lives inside of us because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. And we're able to tap into that power through surrender to God and through worship of God. Let's go to prayer. Father, thank you so much for your incredible radical love. Thank you for the fact that you never give up on us, that you are right here with us. God, I pray that you resignate that into our hearts and our minds, that you are right here with us and that you love us so much. Thank you so much for the gospel, for the cross, Jesus, for what you've done for us. I pray that that never becomes something that just is distant from us, that it's always in the forefront of our minds and everything that we do is we do as an act of worship to you, not just through songs, but through our entire life, living out a life of worship. Teach us what that means. Teach us to be worshipers, God. We need you so much. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just take over this service, this this sermon. I pray that you declare your truths over our lives. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Surround us, God. Help us to feel you tangibly. pray all these things in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Love you. Amen. Man. Um, so there's, there's tons of stories. You guys know tons of stories about the power of worship. This isn't a distant concept. We, we understand there is power in worship, and there's, there's stories all over the Bible. But the story that we're going to be specifically diving into today is a story about King Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah. And before we dive into the text, we're going to be... Um, Kind of dive into some text to, to see what happened in this story. But before we dive into the text, it's important that we kind of understand a little bit about the background. Kind of understand the, 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 con- the context of what's going on and kind of behind the scenes here. And this story, it's, it's in some ways similar to King Hezekiah's story. If you remember a few weeks ago, we dove into King Hezekiah's story um, in that, that sermon, In the Waiting. And how King Hezekiah and the nation of Judah were being threatened by the Assyrians. So this story with Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah is actually similar in some ways. But rather than one army coming against, up against these guys, they've got several armies. You heard me right, several armies that, are, that have all come together for one common cause, which is to come up against King Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah. And on top of that, if that isn't bad enough, if you're, you know, put yourself in King Jehoshaphat's shoes for a moment here you get this word that all of these armies have come up together to, to, you know, take you down in your entire nation. If that's not bad enough, when he gets this news, he's also told, oh, and hey, by the way, they're actually not that far away. They're not that far away at all. So you don't have that much time to figure something out. So obviously in this moment, this dude is kind of, you know, he's scared. He's like internally freaking out, just like you and I would be. And not just for himself and his family, but he's got the tire, the weight of an entire nation. Every man woman and child in that nation on his shoulder, so he's scared. He's wrestling with this, but what he does, his response in this moment is so incredible because he doesn't try to to take this time to make this elaborate plan. He doesn't really have much time, but he doesn't try to come up with some elaborate plan, try to figure out, what do I do? He doesn't go around like, you know, with a chicken with his head cut off or or trying to, you know, get wisdom from, from different men. What he does in these moments is he seeks the Lord. He seeks the Lord with abandonment. And he takes it a step further. He actually calls the entire nation of Judah to fast. And then what happens after that, it's it's incredible in this story because the entire nation comes together and they seek the Lord all as one. Let's check this out in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, verses 13 through 17, which says all Judah was standing before the Lord with their descendants, their, their, dependents, their wives, and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, and a Levite from Asaph's descendants. And he said, Listen carefully, all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, the king and king Joseph, Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them, and you will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the valley, facing the wilderness of Jeruel. You you do not have to fight this, this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. So in this text, we see three things there's several things, but there's kind of three main things that we see about Jehoshaphat and about the nation of Judah. The first thing that we see is, without a doubt, these guys are in way over their head. Like, there ain't no denying. These guys are in way over their head, and they recognize that. They recognize the fact that there is absolutely nothing that they can do on their own to win this battle. They cannot defeat these guys. And they see that, and we, we, see it, we see the fact that they recognize this right there in verse 13, the very first thir- verse that we read together. Well, let's check this out. It says, All Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, and their children. Like, man, imagine. Imagine going out with your entire family, out in the middle of, of this just mass group of people. Like, you got your spouse, your, your, your wife, or your husband, you've got your kids, and even your babies. Like, if you're, if you're somebody that has an infant, imagine taking your baby, carrying your baby out there. Like, they, I mean, they didn't have, like, childcare. Hey, I'm going to drop my kid off and go out here with all these people and seek the Lord. Like, this was DEFCON 5. Like, everybody drop everything, no matter what's going out, and let's seek the Lord together. These guys were desperate, and they knew that there was no way that they could win this battle on their own. That's the first thing that we see. And the second thing that we see in this text is the fact that they recognized their total dependence on God for victory, and their need to surrender to him in order to win their battles. See, not only did they recognize the fact that they were completely incapable of winning this battle on their own, but they also recognized the fact that God is capable. God is capable. Nothing is impossible for God. No matter what's going on in your life, your situations, your struggles, they may seem big, they may seem impossible to you in the moment, but I'm going to tell you something, nothing is too big for God. Nothing can stand in his way. And the third thing that we see in this text about Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah is God's incredible love for them. Like his just logic-defying, radical, reckless love for his people that makes no sense and gives no reason at all. And for us as Christians, as we read this text, it points us, or at least it should point us, to the cross and to our battle that we could never win, our battle over death and sin that we could never win. Jesus Christ alone fought that battle for us. And Jesus Christ alone is is who our salvation comes from. To Jehoshaphat and this nation of Judah, they did nothing at all to deserve God's promise of a victory. They didn't deserve this at all. They didn't do anything to do that, to deserve that. And on top of that, they especially did not deserve the fact that God was going to go out in front of them and fight this battle for them in their place. And guys, for us as Christians, we have done nothing to deserve the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the scandalous grace of God, that he would come down into our muck, into this sinful world, endure a, a life of hardship for over 30 years, be mocked, be ridiculed, be betrayed, beaten, be, be uh, hung on a cross, and die one of the most gruesome deaths known to man. We did not deserve that. Jesus Christ fought fight that we could never fight, and he won the victory that we could never win, all in the name of love, all in the name of love. Let's keep on going in this text with, with verses 18 and 19, which says, Then Jehoshaphat knelt low with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. Then the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and Korathites um, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting, loudly. Man, this text doesn't leave any room for error. These guys were completely overwhelmed with the goodness and the provision of God, and they were were in complete surrender just to his sovereignty and to the fact that he alone is God and nothing else. And through this text, we see see two different responses from King Jehoshaphat in this text, how he responded to what God is saying. The first thing that we see is his radical faith, man. Did you see that? This dude straight up took God at his word. Before he ever saw the provision become a reality, he straight up took God at his word. He didn't ask, he didn't demand any kind of proof. The only proof that he needed was God's word and nothing else, nothing else. And this kind of generates the question for us. Do you find yourself standing firm on God's truths, on God's promises in your own life? Or do you find yourself constantly asking and really demanding that God show you some kind of a proof over and over and over again. Because I'm going to tell you something and hear me on this. True faith does not demand proof. True faith simply stands firm on the promises of God. And the promises for us as Christians is the fact that Jesus Christ truly is enough. He truly will meet every single one of our needs, every single one of us that his grace truly is sufficient, and that absolutely nothing in this life or nothing that you or anybody else will ever do can separate you from his incredible love. Nothing. People, at some point, we simply have to say, enough is enough, and we have to choose. It is a choice to stand firm on God's truths and his promises and his word, no matter what this life, what this world throws at us. At some point, we simply have to trust. We simply have to trust. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah did in these moments. And the second response that we've seen Jehoshaphat making um, in this text was to praise God. And what we find through that is the fact that worship is really a natural response to faith. Worship is a natural response to faith. In other words, when you truly trust God, no matter what this life or this world throws at you, when you truly trust God, then you won't, well, you won't just simply like think about worshiping God You will be compelled to worship God. And I'm not talking about superficially, man. I'm talking about living in abandonment to Jesus Christ with every aspect of your life, living in abandonment, knowing that you know that you know that he is all that you need, that his grace is sufficient, and that nothing will ever separate you from his love. Let me ask you something, too. Do you honestly believe that today? And kind of take a look inside. Do you honestly believe believe that today? And if your answer to that is yes, let me ask you another question. Is your life reflecting that belief? And I'm not talking about just here at the church on Sunday mornings when we gather together for this like hour and a half or so. I'm talking about after church. I'm talking about when you're at home with your family, when you're out at work with your co-workers, or out with your friends somewhere, or at the grocery store, at the mall, or getting gas at the um, local gas station, or what about this one, when you're all alone by yourself and you think that nobody else is watching you? Is your life truly reflecting worship for Jesus Christ? And if your answer to that question is no, it's really not, then my question for you is, what's holding you back? What's holding you back, man? Guys, God, Truly is sufficient for all of our needs. And when we honestly understand that, then we'll honestly know, as Jehoshaphat and this nation of Judah did, that he is worthy of all of our honor, all of our praise, and all of our worship. Let's keep on going in this text, verses 20 through 22. It says, In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord, and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and their praise, the Lord set an ambush against the Amorites, Moabites, and inhabitants of Mount Seir, who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. Man, I love this text. I love this story. It just gives us such an incredibly powerful picture of of just the power of worship in these moments. And, And it's so easy for us as we're reading stories like this, we're diving into the text, reading stories like this, it's so easy just to kind of skim over it isn't it? I mean, we all do it. I find myself doing it sometimes. You read these stories and you think to yourself, man, that's that's really cool. Okay, God won this victory for those people and you know, his people. That's great. And keep on going. But dude, when we skim over it without really diving in deep, then what happens is we miss the incredible picture of what happened. Because there, there's just so much significance to what actually happened here, what these people did and what God's response was to what they did. And I don't know I don't know if any of you in here. I think there's a couple that um, have actually been in a situation where you've been on the front lines of battle. But I'm going to tell you firsthand, man, it, it ain't it ain't like the movies. It ain't like the movies, and it ain't like the video games. You know, if you aren't if you aren't nervous, and honestly, if you don't have a healthy dose of fear, then there's something seriously wrong. Like in all honesty, if you ain't nervous or scared at all, you probably need to be in a psych ward or something. Like you're gonna be nervous. You're gonna be scared. I've seen some of the the bravest guys. I mean, Marines. Just look wide eyed like they're about to hurl or something when they're going behind enemy lines. That is normal, okay? We've got to understand that it's not a game where you can, you know, you have unlimited lives, unlimited ammo. There's no pause button to this. The fog of war is very real, it's very raw, it's very dangerous. There is no pause button, and there are no second chances. And in this very real battle, this was a real battle with real people against these very real armies that were coming up against them. These men trusted God. They had so much faith in God that they literally appointed, King Jehoshaphat appointed men to go out, not to the side of the army, not behind the army, in the front of the Dagom army, the front lines. And the only thing these guys did was shout praises, sing praises to God in complete and utter abandonment incredible as worship isn't simply done when we have all the answers or when everything's going our way true worshipers will worship even when the odds seem stacked against them when everything and everyone around them including everything inside of them is telling to run in the other direction or to completely give up faith that there's no hope true worshipers will stare in the face of bigger and more powerful giants and say you may be bigger and more powerful than me but absolutely nothing, nothing is bigger or more powerful than my God. Nothing is. And I love what happens as soon as these guys start worshiping on the front line. Because when we go back to the text, the text tells us the moment, not not like a few moments later or, you know, like after they do a few other things, the moment that these guys start praising and worshiping God, God goes to war for them the moment they start praising and worshiping him. Guys, don't miss this. Their worship of God was also their war cry to God to go to battle for them. Their worship of God was their war cry to God to go to battle for them. We may think that we have the best fighting force here in America, but I'm going to tell you something. We ain't got nothing in our God. We ain't got nothing at all. And when he hears the war cry of his children, that's enough to even make Satan Shudder where he stands, man, shaking his pants. And I love what these guys were singing and shouting in this text. They were saying, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. That's what they were singing and they were shouting at the top of their lungs in abandonment. And it's important for us to catch when they did that. Because they they didn't do this after the war was won. They did this actually before God was even fighting for them. And we have to understand, they were doing this with everything on the line. Very real battle. Very real armies. Again, they're scared. They're nervous. That is normal. If you are not, that's not normal. They were scared. They were nervous. Everything's on the line. These guys are coming there to kill them. Every single one of them. And to either kill or take captive all of their wives and their kids. Everything is on the line. And what are these guys doing? They are worshiping, they are praising, they are shouting praises to God at the top of their lungs. And they're saying, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Complete abandonment. They declared their thanks to God. They declared his faithfulness over their lives. And they declared that his love endures forever. And as they were declaring, God was fighting. And lastly, in verses 24 through 26, it says, When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for the large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went to to gather the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods on the bodies and valuable items. So they stripped them until nobody could carry any more. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there was so much. They assembled in the valley of Baraka on the fourth day, for there, were, there they blessed the Lord. It means they praised the Lord. Therefore, that place is still called the valley of Baraka today. And we're not going to keep on going in the text, but when you keep on going in that text, I encourage you to read that. Um, they continued worshiping. It didn't stop here. They went back home to Jerusalem, into the temple, and they continued worshiping in abandonment. These guys were consumed with worship, God, in these moments. And just in case you didn't catch the power of worship in the previous text, this this text also gives us an incredible picture of what happens, of the power of worship and what happens after this battle because these guys didn't just go out and see like find a couple little trinkets or a couple little pieces of gold that they took back home and that was it, right? There was so much there, so many uh, valuable items as the text tells us that these guys these big strong burly men didn't even they couldn't even handle it it took them 3 days like imagine that don't don't just skim through that 3 days to take all of this stuff back home god not only fought their their battle for them and won their victory for them he also blessed them more than they could possibly imagine more than they even knew how to handle See, what we have to understand in life, guys, is we see life through tiny little peoples. But God sees the bigger picture. God knew exactly what was going to happen with this battle, with these people. He knew every tiny little detail before these guys were ever born. Before they ever even took their first breath, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And what Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah saw as an overwhelming army coming to destroy them was actually an overwhelming blessing that God was marching straight in their direction. And it took them surrendering to him in faith and worship for them to be able to see the blessing in the midst of the battle. Because when we honestly realize the true power of worship, it completely changes our perspective and it takes us beyond, takes us past the superficial. It creates in us an reverential awe of God. A proper understanding of worship should compel us, should compel us to worship everywhere that we go. Everywhere that we go, we should long to turn it into a place of worship to our God. We should long for every breath that we take, every fiber of our being to be consumed with worship for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who displayed the ultimate act of worship on the cross when he took on our death penalty in our place for our sin. Jesus gave everything for us. He surrendered everything over for us in order to give everything to us. And he invites us to give everything over to him through faith and through worship so that we can receive everything that he has to offer. Worship team, I want to invite you guys up. Guys, no matter what's going on in your life, God loves you so much, so much. And he is there ready to fight your battle for you, no matter what that may be in your life. We all go through different things. We all go through different struggles. We really all struggle with the same thing called sin. It just rears its head in different ways. But he loves you. He's ready to fight that battle for you surrender to him in faith and worship trust that he loves you and he's going to take care of you and provide for you if you're here today and you have never surrendered your life to jesus christ we say this all the time in here and it's so true jesus will meet you where you're at and he'll save you where you're at he loves you so much it's not about trying to earn your way to him there's nothing you could do ever do to earn god's grace you just simply surrender to it and if that's you today and God is working on your heart, I'd love to talk with you and pray for you. you. can pray right where you're at. The altar's open. And if you're here today and maybe you're a Christian and you've already surrendered your life to Christ, but you've noticed there's some places in your life that um, you really haven't been living for Christ. Some areas in your life, you come to the church maybe and, you know, you, you worship God and this is great. And then you notice yourself going out, whether it's to work or with your friends or wherever it may be when you're alone whatever is going on, and you notice that those places in your life, you really haven't surrendered them over to Him. You're really not worshiping Him in those moments with your life. And if that's you today, if God is working on your heart, then again, I'm going to encourage you, don't wait to respond to Him. He loves you so much. Don't wait. You have a family of believers that will come around. Hey guys, first off I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want—I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to to respond in some way today, because you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we, um, whatever it may may be, the point of that is um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so, if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me, what do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to him. I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's, um, you know, some unbelief that you've had, and and God has really convicted you of some things, um, you know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to god and step in his direction and the other thing too is if if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message you've never been been impacted by that gospel message but now something is happening god is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit then i want to encourage you to step out in faith respond to that gospel message and throughout the book of acts um, acts tells us our history as a church uh, it shows us that you know what that response looks like. So number 1 is to repent. And this word repent all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourselves God and all these other things in life God and turn to God and just give him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response after the repentance, there comes something else. It is called baptism. And baptism is so key, it's so important, it's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and and the importance and significance of it. Um, It's the symbol of death to the old self and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ and we're 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life and it's a command from Jesus so I want to encourage you if you have made that commitment to Christ if you've stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at I encourage you to do that um, if you don't have a church we would love to be able able to celebrate that with you um here but I would encourage you first and foremost to do that to to talk with someone um to get counsel on what this means to seek discipleship as well so uh, I encourage you to do those things we would love to talk with you we are praying for you I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for so if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.